Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. is it about weddings that just makes people say, I want to get everyone together in the worst place in America? (laughs) I mean, I have been like a background character in three weddings now (laughs) this past year. Uh, Oh, my God. Like literally within the last year, I've been I've been minor, minor (laughs) character, uncredited extra in three different weddings. Um, Two of them. Two of them because I am maybe the 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 least wanted person at a wedding, which is bridesmaid's boyfriend. Uh, right. Everyone's everyone's asking me who I know. The answer is no one. <laughs> you know. Oh, you know. Oh, you know them. But <laughs> but I'm not even having the fun and the thrill of a wedding crasher. Uh, right. You know. Because you like are invited technically. Yeah, no, it's been three weddings. Two of them, bridesmaid's boyfriend. One of them, cousin. You know, mm, cousin, yeah. cousin, out of state cousin. And let's just look at this: Lake Tippy Canoe in Indiana, Pottsville, Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania, and now Orlando, Florida. I feel like I'm really like <laughs> you're broadening. <laughs> broadening those are the three. Three very different places, and yet somehow they all have the same feeling to them if you are there for uh, a basically a stranger's wedding. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. Yeah. I can see the, the connection there. It's almost like a, like a liminal space. Yeah, liminal America. Liminal America. Ooh, no artistic yeah. series. Yes, yes. I mean, nothing nothing is quite as unsettling as Orlando. I mean, obviously, lots of love and happiness to the couples. Um, mm-hmm. but but yeah, no, hanging out hanging out with a bunch of people you don't really know uh in a in in non-walkable uh areas. <laughs> right. Uh it gets to you after a while. Oh yeah, no. They it's only fun if they're like cool. Otherwise, mm. it's pretty awful when you have to mm-hmm. deal with like, what do you do? I do this. <laughs> wow, that's great. You make a, you make enough doing that. Uh, you know, yeah, I don't need so to share many, my information so many to people you. People are concerned if I'm they, making a living. It is amazing. You know, I, I yeah yeah, it really be like yeah. that. I, I have to. Co- I try to come up with better answers. You know, like mm-hmm. it usually ends up me being like, well. This country's pretty crazy, so yeah, we're we're well, you're, holding you're on. You're not you're not like the little uh, the little bird in the in the Flintstones. It's like it's a living, you know. <laughs> that is kind of me. Yeah, it's just mm-hmm. like oh, you know, I like it. And they're like, oh, mm-hmm. that's that's great. And you're like, yeah, that's great. It is good, actually good for you. Yeah, and it's like meanwhile they're just like engineers, and it's like, what do you do exactly? <laughs> what is what is your job and role in said company? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyways, I, I, well, but, yeah. well, it's it's self-explanatory. They engineer. They, 
I oh my gosh I I've had this thought too because I've been reading American Prometheus which is the story of uh, mm-hmm. J. Robert Oppenheimer it's very interesting mm-hmm. and I'll talk about mm-hmm. it at recommendations for sure but there's like this whole passage in the beginning of them talking about like Oppenheimer learning physics and everything and then his teachers and then how he becomes a teacher and there's this moment mm-hmm. where I was like Ma'am, if I would have worked just maybe a little harder, I could have been an academic in like science <laughs> and like art or something else. I think I think I we honestly because we're both teaching at the same time, we've just missed that period of where like you didn't really need to know that much in mm-hmm. the beginning, you know, like because everything was so revolutionary in the 30s yeah. with physics, it was like a lot of those people were just very very smart, but also like the way they teach is so laid back. It's like fascinating yeah. to me. So I have this like thing where I was like, "Man, Maybe I could have been doing that eventually, or like, how do I get mm-hmm. to this point? But Born I don't in think the wrong that's... generation. I no, I'm okay. I'm good. I've gotten over that a little <laughs> what, bit. You Once don't you want, learn you the don't, history, you don't want smallpox. I don't want a lot of things, and especially mm-hmm. I don't want to be living through World War II. I mean, yeah, no, that's that's definitely <laughs> that that that's yeah. It 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 really <laughs> narrows the scope, I guess. It really does. Um, yeah, I I think. I've said this before. I do think in a in a different generation, I could have been a scientist because there was a point where a scientist was just a guy who had a shell collection. I, I agree. I think I think about this a lot, weirdly enough, mm-hmm. like of our positions in the past. And mm-hmm. I feel like you actually you're going to have a lot in common with who we're talking about today. I feel like mm-hmm. if you were born even a thousand years ago or more, you would mm-hmm. have had you would have been in that role position. You know, mm-hmm. I could see it. It makes sense. But I guess this does maybe bring up the question a lot with when we when we talk about this is this is going to be maybe a sideways tangent into today's topic a little bit. But it is a legitimate question I have. And that is when we look at the past and Mm -hmm. we see these really revolutionary figures and then we try to sort of stack them up to what people are capable of today, it sometimes seems like uh you know they're not quite as impressive you know the, the the example everyone always like like likes to throw out is like yeah you know there's high schoolers that can run faster than Jesse Owens there's uh you know people uh in undergrad physics class that have uh, a better understanding of x y or z than uh than Albert mm-hmm. Einstein and stuff and there's a little bit of the 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 compression of how much we've learned how much things have exponentially improved with technology and understanding as mm-hmm. time has gone on. But then I guess there's also a little bit of the side of it where if you were just born into the world back in the day, if you just had a little bit of extra time, if you had a little bit of leisure time to spend on these things, yeah, you could make great leaps and strides in the field uh i don't know if that's like just a a class reading of it like i'm Mm -hmm. of like that that's how i'm looking at history as being defined by people who just had the free time to look into things i think i think it's free time and then like the right moment because Mm. it's like you have to also we have to also assume that like you're not under attack or like mm-hmm. that your society can actually function properly or well enough to allow for discovery to be achieved because a lot of like if we, if we do it in the sense of science right or any sort mm-hmm. of engineering that um 
you you need technology ha- is built on top of itself kind of like art or really anything right it's like constantly mm-hmm. one thing leads to another leads to another and it's just it, it takes i think it's good timing i think it's the right opportunity and i think it's the right conditions for those things to be achieved now i'm not an expert in any of this. this is just my opinion and just from studying history noticing the trends it's like when we see the jump in technology like to computers it's like okay yeah it's pretty crazy but you can trace a lot of this back to like theoretical physics when that was happening in the 30s and then even where they are pulling their information from from the late 1800s and then even before that where yeah. again it's like you've had the education boom because colleges could like exist because it allowed for mm-hmm. them a lot of politics a lot of issues around that for sure you know just the the, the reasons why they could happen in certain mm-hmm. parts of the world but i do think that time is so weird for us to wrap our heads around and often it can feel very like i don't know i guess like oh well like it took like like i saw an example recently where somebody said like it took a thousand years for people to figure out that you could make like iron or steel out of, and Mm -hmm. we used like copper swords and bronze swords instead of like Mm -hmm. iron and then steel ones. And it's like, well, yeah, because you have to like, I don't know, find the iron. It takes a while. And then figure out that like, yeah, you can actually make steel by burning in the, uh, oh God, somebody's going to like correct me as a blacksmith. I'm not a blacksmith, so bear (laughs) with me here. I believe it's carbon and iron make steel, but Mm -hmm. um, which is, Again, something that you figure out over time. You, you could you could tell me that with enough confidence. I'm like ninety percent sure that's correct, and it's because it burns away the impurities or something like that, and it makes the steel. But I, what at some what point do I you, know? At some point, you add camel pee, and that's how you make Damascus steel. Probably, it's like figuring out how <laughs> indigo is invented, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this is also tied to the whole like cultural evolution process and things like that, yeah. where you're passing info and info, but um. If, if I can connect this a little bit into like what we're going to talk about today, because I, I think we'll have time for sure to like get into mm-hmm. this question even more, because this this yeah. person in particular is a very good example of what you brought up. And w- what I wanted to bring up today was to talk a little bit, you know, take us back to the past, specifically like the late 2000s BCE period of ancient Egypt to talk about one such figure named Imhotep. Ah, OK. Now. You may have heard that name. I have. I, I, I am sure. Uh, well, one of which being in the Mummy movies with uh, who, Brendan Fraser and other people mm-hmm. I don't remember. Uh, I didn't realize that, which is funny. And he's portrayed as the villain. I think in the early Hollywood movies, he's also portrayed as a villain a lot of times as well, which is kind of wild given, like, why? I haven't really... St- figured that out. I mean, is it is it just one of those things where they're like, all right, what are pharaohs that people have might have heard of and it's like cleopatra and doesn't really fit the theme right um, you know uh tutankhamen uh he had a club foot uh imhotep people have heard that name but like it's funny because he's not a pharaoh hmm yeah okay. he's an intellect and then becomes well, a god but well so- sound uh, somewhere in there might have got turned into a she, mummy. He is a priest. He was a priest. Mm, so that probably okay. has a bit to do with it. However, mm-hmm. I guess let, let's just like get, let's just jump right into it. I feel like let's uh, just step let's, a little bit back in time. We're going to go all the let's way. Wrap, let's wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, nice. Let's unwind. Let's unwind a little bit here. Like one, we'll take it mm-hmm. one step at a time. Uh, Cause we're going to talk about some pyramids a little later. Cause that's one of the mm-hmm. things that he's most uh, known for. 
So mm-hmm. a lot of the information today, I just want to be very upfront about this, was taken from uh, Dr. Jennifer Wegner's lecture at the Penn Museum in Pennsylvania. I think it's in Philly in 2015. So mm-hmm. and also I added a little bit of extra information here from recent stuff. Some of this most of this I would say is pretty accurate, and then some of it I'm sure is contestant. I am not somebody who studies ancient Egypt. I don't think Zan is either, unless he has a side hobby he's not talking to me about. So what if this the... is just when you found out? It's like, oh yeah, before we met, I got a PhD and then I'd I pivoted be... into art. I would believe it though. I would believe it. You know, <laughs> I feel like you would, or if anything, it would have been like you if you were like a paleontologist who then became an artist. I could see that too. Mm, mm. You know, I did, uh, my first job was as a funeral attendant, which I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you'll have some perspective here then. Yeah, so I do feel like that at least does connect me in some way to the ancient Egyptians. Absolutely. That mm-hmm. I, you know, we can make that connection. Um sure. but yeah, no. So I, I but I think there'll be some information here for if your only introduction to ancient Egypt is like middle school or maybe high school, there's a lot here to talk about for sure. Uh the but for fr- a lot of people it is the mummy movies. It unfortunately, yeah. Uh I'm just going to say it right now, pretty inaccurate. That's controversial, what? but pretty, pretty inaccurate. Um, hmm. Who knew? You know, that was my first introduction. I was very fascinated. Doubtful, but, um, but I'll let I'll let it go for now. Okay, all right. Well, you and so many people, unfortunately, will agree with that. Uh, but I there she so basically in her talk she talks about how Imhotep became goes from basically being this famous architect and priest to then and also a a a. Uh, political attendant to the pharaoh to then being a god and recognizes the god of medicine Mm. much much later on we gotta also keep in mind that like egypt and ancient egypt in general is old like really old in the fact that and Mm. also something i was thinking about recently too is that like their society it changes over time obviously and constantly but it's like they go for like a long time i mean imagine if again Mm -hmm. it would be like if the u.s existed for two thousand years and it just what would you end on you know how we could not predict what our civilization would become and because i'm pretty sure egypt is like the old one of the older ones that we at least have record of so i just find that interesting in this context and i do think that Mm -hmm. as we discuss this like how do you become a deity why how does one become recognized as a important figure not necessarily Mm -hmm. a godlike figure but an important figure who will become revered right i think it's like because there's people are always gonna like talk about mesopotamia uh, and stuff egypt it's like egypt and ancient china I think, though, are just so interesting to people because even though the governments have changed, they're not they're not the same. Modern day Egypt is not the country of 5000 years ago. No, China that that exists now is not the country that it was 5000 years ago. But I think we were we're so fascinated by these places that have uh you know, been inhabited for so long because we can go back in their history and they've had writing long enough and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, discourse and rhetoric and things that we feel, we feel like we can connect some line, some thread, either culturally or, um, 
culturally, artistically, whatever, we 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 feel very compelled to draw some line to something that happened mm-hmm. thousands of years ago that somehow is still echoed in that same geography now. And you can get as ooh-woo about it as you want, and you kind of are allowed to because yeah, it's so old. So. It is old, yeah, and it's curious. And I mean, if, if I, I'm always curious is how did people live back then and what were their reasoning for things and how do you yeah. connect back to the past? Um, right, right. And, so, so, in, in looking at it this way, though, too, and just under understanding what we know about Imhotep through texts written about him, through mentions written about him, and through actual archaeological evidence, that's what we're mm-hmm. going to be using here today. We'll talk about conspiracies and stuff maybe at the end if we have time, because he's this mm-hmm. figure that's taken on a different name today. But I think it's important yeah. to always remember when we're talking about the past. We do mm-hmm. need some objectivity. We need to see some writings about mentioning him and like check them, not just take everything for granted. Yeah. So what yeah. We, what, from what that's, we do, that's difficult. It is unfortunately, especially in this in this time and place. But yeah, taking from both this talk and the evidence provided, Imhotep said to have been an architect, a philosopher, and also a physiologist, as well as a bunch of other roles in. Uh, early Egyptian society. He's one of those guys that just took on so many different pathways huh. and was like recognized as doing that. He's huh. absolutely assisted er- Egypt's early kingdom in the advancement of architecture. That's like one of the things that he's mostly uh, known for. However, later he gets associated with medicine, which becomes quite interesting. He was also okay. recognized a lot as like a philosopher and he helped um, with you know some writings and things like that. And he becomes recognized a lot with scribes. Mm. So do we have do mm-hmm. we have like a date we can put his actual life to? You're one step ahead of me. No more puns intended. Okay. But so <laughs> on that note, he lived from 2650 to 2600, roughly that is BCE, which okay. is this is during the uh, third dynasty period of ancient Egypt, and that spanned to mm-hmm. 2675 to 2625 BCE. So that's when he's kind of living. That's the times okay. that he's living in. Um, now, his name can also be read with the meaning translating to one who comes in peace, which I think is kind of interesting because Hetep mm-hmm. means peace, I believe, in ancient Greek. But also, there are unfortunately not many surviving texts that detail the original person that he is. A lot of this we're taking off of statues and artworks and like steles and things that just give some written context. Uh, but there is one such object that we have here in our collection today which is the surviving base of a statue that details Imhotep near King Dozier. So it shows pictures of both of them, yes, and mentions him, Imhotep that is, as, and I quote, a chancellor to the king of Lower Egypt, a subordinate to the king of Upper Egypt, administrator to the Great Domain, administrator of the Pat, a high priest of Heliopolis. Imhotep is the chief of sculptors, of the masons, and of the producers of stone vessels. And this also indicates that he had a priestly title connected to the sun god Ray, and that he's politically connected to the king, as well as even the Masons or the Masons Guild. And mm. uh, and this is all happening in the capital of the kingdom, which is Memphis. Oh, wow. So just cue some slide guitar right <laughs> I there, know, right? I know. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's and, like... And me- you're, you're saying Ray rather than Ra? That is what I... Uh, well, it's R-E. This is the Gasungat R-E. 
So this is so, not Ray, raw. I believe not. Or that's just the uh, what people pronounce it. I, I don't know. This is one of these things I was very curious about because I was like, okay, okay. the it was the god Ray, and mm-hmm. the pronunciation given was R A Y, spelled R E. Now this okay. might we might have to have some room for corrections here because I am not entirely sure, but. I'm going to trust the academic on this one and not myself because I might get them confused. I've, I've gotten, right. there's a lot of gods and I feel like mm-hmm. they also get mixed matched a little bit. So, right. but yes, this is happening in Memphis, ancient Egypt, not Tennessee, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Although wouldn't that be kind of funny? <laughs> I mean, depending on, you know, who you're talking to <sighs> at the bus that, stop. That is uh, true. You know, the, the, I, I've I've heard tell the ancient Egyptians, you know, had a city in the Grand Canyon. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I know we're going to talk Egyptian conspiracies later, but uh, it it is it is fun, it's, you know. Yeah, you know that that we we've got these random cities in the south named I know. after <laughs> all these cities in Eves. ancient Egypt. I know it's kind of wild. <laughs> Just run out, yeah. ran out of ideas. But yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, it's actually under King Dozier that it was Imhotep's role to facilitate the building and project of the construction of the Pyramid of Dozier. Now, this this is like, I think they show this in every middle school class. This is like the first step, well, not the first, but it's one of the first like step pyramids that um, mm. moved beyond the base. So, so for... for- because you keep mentioning steps, and I I, I, okay. I hate to explain the joke, but this is far enough back in yes. the old kingdom of Egypt that they are not yet building the smooth-sided pyramids that would be more famous, like the pyramids of Giza. Correct. Yeah, Giza comes later, and it's actually the the so okay. Let me start here. At this point, we you know. I don't even know how old, like, for the ziggurats and things like that is probably the closest you're going to get to, like, structures building up. Now, according Mm -hmm. to this person, you know, this doctor, this is, like, one of the oldest kind of architectural achievements in human history. I would contest Mm. that just because we don't, we keep on discovering things every year, so it's like, who knows? But in terms of... Just just tack on us so far that we So far, yeah, I love that, to cover the bases. Allegedly, Mm -hmm. you know, but with... uh, (laughs) With Egypt, this is a huge step forward because at this point, they only really had funeral pyramid-like shapes, which were called mastabas. And you could think about that as like, if you took the Pyramid of Giza and you sliced the entire, like, I don't know, three, I can't do fractions, like most of it off and you're left with the base of the pyramid, if it was flat on top, that's what you're Mm -hmm. left. That's a mastaba, basically. It's the base. So that is the structure that they're working with first. Mm-hmm. What Imhotep innovates here, he stacks these mastabas on top of one another, taking from the step pyramid at Sakuras, I'm pretty sure at least. So mm-hmm. he, his invention here with the Pyramid of Dozier is to take one mastaba, then put a little one on top of it, and then a smaller one, and then a smaller one to build a more structurally sound you know, pyramid, a funeral structure. And then there's okay. tons of internal... Um, structures built within for the funeral sections that make it much more complicated and and rather interesting as well Mm -hmm. which is important too now this pyramid still exists today it's still standing which if you think about it that's pretty crazy i mean this is built roughly in like you know two i don't even i guess after his birth a little bit so in the two 600s a little later right Mm -hmm. and it still exists right now and it's um 
it actually influenced the later pyramids of Giza as Mm -hmm. he is like one of the first in Egypt to make these structures. And then, of course, they start taking that idea and role. Now, the other thing, too, that tends to be a misconception, and I just want to clarify it for all of those who may not know a lot about ancient Egypt, is that the people who built pyramids, whether it be with Imhotep or whether it be even with like later the pyramids of Giza, they're all stonemasons or workers who like know what they're doing. Imagine a construction crew of like thousands of people who are like skilled laborers or at least partially skilled laborers. The ones who mm-hmm. are at least doing the building in the sense of like not just hauling things, but really putting stone where they need to be. Because a lot of times that it showed that like slaves are doing it. I'm sure that functions somewhere in there in terms of like getting the things to where they need to be, getting the rocks and such. But really, the people who are building the pyramids are actually, you know, they know what they're doing and they were very skilled at their craft. It was a huge project in any case. And the same thing with the Pyramid of Dozier here. So um, this really solidifies his role as an architect and also somebody who wrote about, um, we're assuming at least, his architectural feats and ideas surrounding it and things like that. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, very interesting so far. Now, also, I I promise I'm not trying to get ahead of you, but okay. I'm also I'm also interested in this stuff from things that I half remember from world history class. For sure. Uh I I do feel like there there's also like a um a certain uh th- there's the ziggurat, you know, since yeah. that is is always cited as some sort of uh there's all, there's some connection there, you know, but also because Egypt is geographically kind of close to the Fertile Crescent. Um, But what about uh, influence like from Nubia? Because I feel like that's usually trotted as like the the proto-pyramid that the the Egyptians uh, are inspired by, also because of their their conquering of Nubia uh, at... uh, at, at certain points in their history. I think it's it's an interesting question for sure. And just based on like some of the dates that I have here. So even with the ziggurat of Ur, if we take that one, for instance, that's being mm-hmm. the date that I have again, open to corrections mm-hmm. is 2100 BCE. So hmm. similar, but later in versus the uh, pyramid of Dozier. And then with the mm-hmm. Nubian pyramids or even where they're founded, I'm getting a date of even 800 BC to then, uh, BCE, so 800 BCE mm. to 100 C, uh, CE. So right. I think, and I, I'm not an expert in terms of Egypt's conquerors. I mm-hmm. think they came later, like they hmm. conquered Nubia later, or at least start to expand in. I'm sure there's an influence, though. I mean, I'm not an expert. I imagine there's a connection, and people talk about it all of the time since they're just literally south of them. Uh, so that's also possible that, and I don't want to speculate too hard, but I imagine like there's an, in, there's a cross exchange in terms of architecture and information. Cause there's older temples being built and, you know, structures that just are cropping up all throughout Egypt and south of it and all throughout those North African areas. So I'm sure there's a connection, but one of the things I think that's important here I, is as, it's, long, as long as that connection doesn't turn out to be aliens, I'm no, good. I would, yeah, I wouldn't go that far. But okay. uh, some people believe that, you know, and that's great. Yeah, uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna get into a lot of things yeah. that people believe. I imagine. Yes, for sure. So kind of just so we can even move to that part a little bit too. I just wanted to wrap up a little things here in terms of why we even know some of the stuff about him. So he's also somebody that gets renowned a lot as a, by scribes weirdly hmm. enough and he is actually mentioned 
as a sage in multiple texts, one of which is coming from the ancient Egyptian Harper songs, which was a text that described what happens when we die. It's very existential, very philosophical. And he's actually, the author of that actually references the sage Imhotep as one of his sources for his suggestions as to what happens Hmm. when we die. Um, And then he's even mentioned in other texts alongside other sages who also wrote wisdom texts. So by, you know, that conclusion, we can come to an idea that, okay, he's a contemporary of these writers. Because there are a lot of texts we just unfortunately don't have with him Mm -hmm. writing them. Like, we don't Mm -hmm. have anything he's ever written, but we have evidence of people saying he wrote these things. And I find that interesting. Or at least saying, like, it would be like if you mentioned Socrates, but we didn't have any mention of Socrates anywhere else, but because another philosopher is mentioning him, we can then speculate that a person named that existed. Okay, okay. A little, little bit of corroboration that yes. this is a person. Yeah, so it, it helps build up an idea of who this is, but again, we have to work with what we got. Yeah. Um, and there is there is also another... Exi- now, I don't know if this is contended or not, like if, if this is like one of these things that they're like, well, you know, maybe or maybe not, but there is another piece of evidence which comes from Estile that describes a great famine that... Hum- happened under the rule of King Dozier. And this is said to, he is said to have consulted one of the staff of Ibis, which is the god Thoth. And Mm -hmm. the chief lecturer priest, this is the chief lecturer priest, Imhotep, who let him know the solution of the problem. And Imhotep is Mm -hmm. said to have given the king the information that the god Kanum needs an offering as he is unhappy. And the King Dozier then listens to the advice of Imhotep, who then fixes the temple of Kanum. And in doing this, it fixes the issue. So this story is something we also have documented. If we're taking from it, we can come to maybe a conclusion that, okay, this guy Imhotep worked with King Dozier. Clearly he respected his opinion and clearly he had some political influence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now taking all of this into consideration, again, we don't got that much to go off of, but Mm -hmm. it is odd and strange as to why, um, why he becomes a god because Imhotep now is, is known as... It, he, he becomes a part of the Egyptian pantheon as the god of medicine, weirdly enough. Mm-hmm. And there's a few different reasons that is thought to why this would have happened. Now, um, Dr. Jennifer Wegner, it, at this lecture at the Penn Museum, she puts a bunch of bullet points illustrating how or how we could come to the conclusion that he would become recognized as a deity. Um, I'm going to go through those because I think they're interesting. And then I think we can also mention... Because it's kind of hard not to. This feels very mm-hmm. Dune-like in the sense of like a Paul Atreides-like <laughs> figure. And I imagine probably Herbert's pulling from stuff like this. Because this is stuff in history that does happen. Like people become recognized as these like, you know, revenant figures yeah. of people we would yeah, mention from thousands of years they're ago. Out, they're out in the desert, you know, Paul Atreides, yeah. Moses. It seems to it's be the where desert. you get... Yeah, yeah, it's where people have revelations. Exactly. It know. was very hard for me not to think about Dune when l- researching this. Um, and I don't Are know what that says Im- about me. Imagining the Egyptian desert, you know, that filled with sandworms? It's the Sahara, Zan. Mm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I mean, is, how do you know it's not? It is You know, not. I've never not. been there. I'm pretty sure it's not. We talked about the Mongolian death worm enough. Although I guess that was mm-hmm. the Gobi Desert. True. But nevertheless, here is our uh, step pyramid to becoming a god, according to uh, Dr. Wagner here. So okay. the first, first and foremost, his important position in the royal court is a big step because this allows him to have influence. It also allows him to be recognized as an important figure next to the pharaoh. Right. That's okay. essential. Okay. Next to that, afterwards, he's thought Nepotism. of as... 
Well, yeah, maybe. Who knows? I, <laughs> he's thought of as a wise sage. So he's somebody that's clearly recognized as an important writer, as an important figure, as a wise person. So his thoughts are going to be passed down over time. He then becomes recognized as the patron of scribes, so much to the point that scribes actually give offerings to um, Imhotep by dumping out part of their bowls of water onto the ground. This is just like a, you know, you need to pass your exam, you do a little blessing for yourself, and you're good to go. Um, next on our steps to becoming a god, he's deified mm -hmm. in the Memphite area. By the Dynasty mm. 26. This is roughly 525 BCE. We're looking at 2,000 years later he's being recognized They're still talking about this guy. Still talking about him. Okay. And we're still going now. So keep this in mind, though, that all of those points come before he's becoming deified. And when he becomes deified, mm -hmm. it's mostly through a cult. So there's a group of mm -hmm. people who clearly find this guy very interesting, and he's moved on beyond just regular human and just maybe somebody who is very important in their society, he's now become a figure of, you know, I don't want to say necessarily religious right, but it's like, it's entering this kind of area. In the, by the 30th dynasty, mm -hmm. is our next step, he is one of the most important deities in the Memphis area, and in Dynasty 30, he's recognized as a healer. And this is, if Dynasty 30 is uh, like 380 to 362 BCE, mm -hmm. just to give some context. So a little bit like 200 years after becoming uh, a god or at least recognized by some people as a deity then he becomes recognized as a healer and um we'll talk a little bit about why that is after these points moving to dynasty 30 again as i mentioned the Le dynasty 30's leader uh Nectanabu, the second in particular so so name so nice they used it twice they used it twice gotta gotta name after yourself uh he actually shows reverence to imhotep's cult and this cult then continues into popularity well into the Ptolemaic oh, period okay. and later. So we're moving like into CE now. And then by yeah. the Roman period, he is a popular deity throughout the entirety of Egypt. So he's like well known. And that's hmm. uh, a very small breakdown of how you become this part. How, how you basically go from being a regular guy in history to then becoming a bit of a god. Uh, at what point do you become a crab? That's what I want. Yeah. Right. I want. I, 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 you know. <laughs> you become a yeah, crustacean. Well, yeah. At what at what point does uh, carcinization, you know, mm, kick in? Maybe another thousand years. Okay. I mean, but I think also we we want to think about uh, back then mm -hmm. that I it's I don't know because I I don't know anything about ancient Egypt or barely anything, but at least like when I hear. Or, and read about people uh, talking about ancient polytheistic, you know, religions, there, there was, it, it, it was less about, uh, I guess, our modern conception of religion. And it was right. almost, it, it was more of a cultural and political movement could be behind a figure that existed in the mythic yes. past. And it was, less about them watching over you and more about uh being being a follower of some mm -hmm. uh so, some type of thought yeah that they that they propagated i would agree with that and from what i've been hearing as well that seems to lend itself to that idea it's not so much it's not Catholicism. It's not even Protestantism. It's nothing in the West. We don't have anything similar to this. I feel like the the god of like Europe 
is way too like strict or in, in general just like a you know like just this 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 idea of capital G God is much more intense when you have monotheistic religions in polytheistic ones in particular Egypt it's a lot more cultural in that way and the idea mm. of said person how what, what they what they stand for like i'm not i'm mm. really not an expert in this but it's it's kind of hard to even wrap my head around but i believe right. it has to do with like if you're the gods of like arts let's say you're like mm-hmm. a figure that stands in for this much bigger concept it's like a mm-hmm. different way to view how we look at like really important moments and ideas that surround us every day i don't mm-hmm. even know how you would do that in today's society i think it's impossible but if mm-hmm. we again this is one of these like things where we would have to really study and be and i don't even think you would really know that far back mm-hmm. like how would you ever connect with the people of this time mm-hmm. and so like you know even with him it's interesting because like the idea of him even becoming a a god of healing is so odd and it's most likely due to either the mistranslation or misappropriation of him having to deal with like some papyrus like there's a papyrus scroll that talks about um uh surgeries in ancient europe it's a surgical papyrus and i think it deals with mm-hmm. mostly like head trauma and okay um he was connected to this by people i don't remember really who but the papyrus dates to 1700 bce and that's like way after him mm. so there's no way he would have there was there's no way he would have any connection to it so what it's theorized yeah is we're that- still we're still talking about his contributions exactly. to architecture and know maybe he also dabbled in other things i don't uh, you yeah. know well it that's but, most... but it would it would be it would be weird if frank lloyd wright got remembered as uh, a doctor it, well it's odd well like i think it comes it, it would be very strange but he has a he has a very good doctor name if you think about it mm. Do- doctor right? dr dr frank wright? Lloyd, no dr frank lloyd wright you have to say his full name you don't mm. get, i mean but doctor doctor wright is kind of it's pretty that, good that's a great name he's always right yeah uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, no. So so even like here, you know, we have the, the the idea is that okay, well, maybe he contributed to the skull or his ideas did because he would have been an architect and seen some injuries and maybe he'd be interested in that, especially because he was a priest. Eh, not great. I don't really buy it, mm. and I don't think a lot of people do. The other one is that there's a shrine in the south in Thebes where uh, it's actually the same temple that um, Queen Hatshepsut was worshipped. I'm sure people have talked mm. about that as well um i think it's karnak is the temple but okay. there's a there's a wall that, that shows uh yes you've heard of it there's a hmm. wall that shows imhotep and amhotep which uh, is another deity uh and they're mm-hmm. shown to be healing pilgrims that are traveling hmm. to him okay. and these votive stilles stilles also show people wanting to be cured and so the cult uh, so yeah so this is stuff that like maybe is contributing to this i'm in the camp that I think it's just the translation of the idea of what the priest's role and what a scribe's role and even maybe what the architect's role is over time just gets like translated and translated and passed down and passed down and eventually you end up in like a totally different direction. But then at that point, it's not like he's important. It's that the idea of him is important. It would be, again, if you Mm -hmm. had a famous writer, right? Very wise words down that we still can connect with today. Pretty much put anybody in that camp, right? Mm Mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter what else they do. What matters is whatever they wrote now defines them. And so therefore we have it. That's my mm. kind of reading on it. Okay. So I okay. do think it's interesting that you have this man who, who we know existed 
and made this pyramid or at least headed the project on it. It still exists today. He's still talked about today. This cult did end uh, in the 4th century CE, but that's still 3,000 years after his death. So 3,000 years after he dies, he's still being, you know, talked about and brought up to be this figure. And Mm -hmm. then later on in movies and other things, he becomes this figure of, like, villainy. And then in, 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 well, maybe not even contemporary, but in conspiracy theories, he then becomes this, like, actual godlike being or evil being or he's actually from this other part of the world like every every bit of speculation you can think of gets Hmm. dropped on him and i think that leads to a bigger question when it comes to like we talked about earlier how do you how do we grapple and try to understand the past how can we put ourselves there if we even can which i don't even think we can as much as i want that to be true how do Hmm. we understand how people back then were thinking because we're all you know i don't want to say it like in a weird way but it's like we are all kind of the same in that sense like people existing back then still had daily lives history becomes very um compressed because we're reading it through books and we're understanding it through a timeline and we could skip through dates super super quickly but that's still lots and lots and lots of time on one's hands and so much to happen from from what you were saying, even, you know, a good, like, a, the, the hard evidence is, like, you know, a few lines on essentially his headstone, you know? Yeah. <laughs> good uh, man, architect, priest. Wow, you know, it says a lot, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and, and obviously people lead much more dynamic lives than that. I guess it is also... Uh, it, it It's one of those things where we do have sort of these figures that... Um, it's not necessarily that they do so much. It's that they instigate some sort yeah. of school of thought that it then inspires a lot of other people that get under that umbrella. And I think we deal with a lot of figures like that in the ancient world. For sure. Um, you know, I think we're maybe more familiar with like the how this works with maybe Greek philosophers. But yeah. you could you could even look at how, um, you know, there's people that, there's there's things that like get attributed to Freud or Marx, Marxist thought, Freudian thought, Jungian thought. Yeah. Uh, and those are more people that came after them that like are sort of picking up from where they left off. And it's not to say that they were not impressive people, but if if we take everything you know that is attributed to figures in the ancient past like this it sort of does hold up more of the you know capital g great man theory of history that history <sighs> yeah. is shaped by particular individuals that come along and i i don't think that's wholly true or untrue uh as much as it is a a certain way uh, that people want history to look and feel and we also Mm -hmm. i guess then i guess going back to sort of what i was asking at the beginning you know we do have these we might have bright and ambitious people in the past uh i guess we also have to ask the question you know in a pre-industrial society uh just how many people have the opportunity have the leisure time have the time to study uh, things and uh, become leaders in a field. And 
I think it's sort of a a feedback loop of you have people born into some prestige or achieve something that allows them, that gives them the free time basically to pursue a craft or uh, an area of study. And they have that that opportunity to stand out. Uh, right. So it's it's a maybe a little bit chicken and the egg, but it's I I I guess it's still it still could kind of apply here. We obviously have someone that was close to the government in a sense, but back then <laughs> government and religion They're were also yeah. Yeah, we're intertwined, and there was not really a distinction seen. Yeah. Really, un- until a few centuries ago, religion as a separate thing from everyday life was not uh, was, was not a thing in that we understand it today. I don't even think monotheism was, was fully a thing that we looked at Abrahamic religions as until— mm-hmm until fairly recently i I, yeah. I think i think religion was profoundly different and i guess you you want to imagine that like if you followed the thread you know even further back on other figures would you find individuals like this or would you find some sort of cultural construct of mm of uh of an idea of a of a um of of just some force of nature that they label yeah. as a god cuz it it's something it's it's interesting to look at a figure like this that we can we at least have some written yeah. record some paperwork to to go back to them it's not quite the same as like a figure in the bible or something but it's not that it's not that far off where they're no. not necessarily deities so much as we have we have figures that we can trace uh, a philosophy back to or at least some idea yeah even if they're even if they're not you know a a a singular person absolutely yeah i mean i think even just architecturally speaking if 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 this is the case where he's the one that's like and mm-hmm. maybe it's not even him. He could have just been mm-hmm. the head of the project and somebody else yeah. figures it out and then it's like, oh, okay, I'll take credit. Oh, yeah, or it's a he gets the I mean, credit. Or it's, it's a collective team-based thing. Like, we don't really know. I'm just going to assume, you know, either of these would probably function. I'm imagining a team of people to figure it out. But, like, right. they do it and it a works. Real, a real then, Walt Disney. Yeah. Oh, God. But then, it, but then again, it's like this idea of how to stack up, at least in Egypt's area, like mm-hmm. that then goes everywhere else. And in that space, but, you but start if you're, figuring if you're it just, out. If you're just the guy who gets appointed by the pharaoh to, uh, th- this is maybe, this is me just being cynical for a second. Um, but if you're just the guy who's close to the pharaoh and the pharaoh's like, I want a tomb. And you're like, uh, what, what if we made... What if we made it shaped like a triangle but square at the bottom? If you're just the guy that says that and then your engineers and your craftsmen figure it out yeah. and you get your name on it, you know, maybe that's a cynical way to look at it. But I feel like, especially when we look at ancient history, that's that's how that we happen. Yeah. Although also, there cause... there were there were remarkable architects back then who had great understanding of math and stuff oh for sure that's another misconception of like yeah how did they figure this out it's like math 
and stick yeah. and rope. So I think and I had a teacher, especially in ancient Egypt. You know, yeah. I think I had a teacher that explained that to me when I asked that, or somebody asked that, and he's like, "You take a stick, you put mm-hmm. it in the sand, you take a piece of rope, you attach it to the stick. Congratulations, you can make angles now." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Huh? I guess it is really mm-hmm. that straight fo- straightforward." But like, yeah. you know, it is. It, it, it it's it's like. It's the thing that I use to discredit a lot of um, conspiracies or any sort of idea of like, why are all these people building up? And I had our Mm -hmm. history professor explain it to me. It's like, well, you want to get closer to gods. Mm -hmm. The easiest way to do that is build up. And it makes a very sound structure. And it's like, yeah, I guess that makes sense why everybody figured out how to make a pyramid at one point, Um, which maybe that goes into collective unconscious. I don't know. It's interesting though. But I, I do find like, humanity as a whole regardless of where you're at is fascinating Mm -hmm. in terms of where we all end up figuring out how to make similar things right it's just bound to happen yeah but then each puts their own kind of mark or twist to it and then it starts to change things Mm -hmm. and adapt to the environment to which you're living in. oh yeah i I, I just think that like and i'm sure i know there's a lot of like theory and published ideas and history on this but i do think that the there there's for sure more at play than what we're actively taught in school and i don't mean that as like actually they're not t- they're not teaching you this in your public education right you know they're, and they, it's they, like they, it's they, like they're not they're not going to teach you about the ancient egyptians and the grand canyon yeah and it's like your uncle saying how trump's actually a time traveler or that like the mormons are actually the ancient egyptians or something crazy but it's more that like <laughs> you know collect we don't fully even understand collectivity because we're so conditioned on this idea of the individual but that's more of a modern thing than anything so Mm -hmm. that's a huge factor at play or how Mm -hmm. these societies really structured themselves the idea of of even how capital has really infiltrated our senses of like how society functions where you know Mm -hmm. it maybe wasn't that different in the 15 1700s but there's for sure a difference than like today in terms of how even we think about things and consumers and and ideas of like power dynamics i'm not saying it was better but I think it's more that it's a it's a a different way to live, and even with that comes a different cultural context. So it's important to understand and not just right. graft on our contemporary senses of the world into the past. It's not always mm-hmm. a good idea. Uh, it tends yeah. to get more messy. Well, yeah, I'm not gonna like. I I guess you know what the thing is, and and maybe this is that cultural conditioning that in a weird way makes me very cynical of of this type of stuff because like i i don't i don't necessarily think that's specifically what's going on here like you know that all of the stuff sort of just gets put onto one figure that everyone can kind of point to someone who's far enough back in history that they get to be perfect that everyone gets to aspire to that it's it's the whole like the myth you know is is better than the man that that whole Mm. type of thought i guess in recent history we kind of we we look at a lot of those types of people and we usually kind of just see them as 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 uh as con men as as charlatans as people as people that you know they, they they cultivate a following around them and they might be clever people but they're more uh, they're better at convincing other people that they are clever rather than maybe producing things themselves. I mean, because there's there's people yeah. like Thomas Edison who, oh boy, 
yeah. who did some legitimate science and knew some things about uh, technology, but he uh, he got a lot of credit for things that people working under him actually discovered, uh, which yeah. is, you know, how things have worked for a, a lot of the history of science. Um, for sure, you know, for yeah, better, for better or for worse, you know, the school of this person or that person, you know, accomplished this. Um, but, you know, especially once we start to get into people that take on a more religious significance, it's kind of difficult to not compare it to, let's just say it, L. Ron Hubbard, you know, yeah. someone that's like, oh, I'm a pilot and also I'm, uh, you know, a science fiction writer and also uh, I'm, uh, you know, a, a physicist and all this other stuff. And those things all had a grain of truth in them. Yeah, he was uh, in a plane. <laughs> well, you know? he was he was actually supposed to be a decent pilot. Uh, I'm just kidding, the, but yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, he made up thing. He made up other things about himself to sell the story a you little have better. To. Yeah, you, you have know? to make yourself somebody who will be remembered. You have to put on the performance in a way. That's the yeah, makings of and, a good cult leader, right there. Yeah, or 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 the Great Gatsby. You know, even yeah, true. You it's, know, th- th- there's a there's a grain of truth in there somewhere. I yeah. Uh, I was like re-listening to um uh the the last podcast on the left series on Mike Warnke, the uh the, the <laughs> Christian comedian who lied who lied about who lied about being a satanic cult leader. Uh, yeah. And you know, I feel like there's a real moment of honesty. They play a clip of an interview where he, where they're like, "Why'd you do it? Why, why did you, why did you uh, join the Satanists?" And he's like, "I just wanted to be special. I wanted to be someone special and yeah. powerful." And it's like, I feel like that's it's a weird moment of honesty because it's like, yeah, that's why he lied about being, yeah, exactly, uh, a satanic cult leader. Yeah, I, I guess. I, it, it's hard for me to remove sort of my my modern cynicism about people that have some sort of uh, magnetism to them that that then starts to build a cult around it. But I have to remind myself that stuff like this was different in the ancient world uh, in a Hopefully. in a really profound way. But also, I mean, some things, some things never change. I'm sure. I'm sure there were charlatans back then. Oh but, yeah. But, uh, but they're they're in a in a in a world that sort of predated, you know, having book deals, you know, for things. And I, I, I almost feel like there's there's something uh, at play here that's a that's a little more interesting and open about it, something that sort of was supposed to belong to those who, who wanted to strive for some sort of excellence and, and, uh, expertise and knowledge. Yeah. I, I like that. I think when it gets into like the modern conspiracy and, uh, so I guess, should we, should we get into any of that? Do we feel do we feel like with with getting the historical things out of the way, can we try to take a couple swings at how this how this folds into conspiracy theories? Uh, sure, we can a bit. I think. Yeah. Um, since and, I, and I, I, I guess I'm being delicate about it because it's 
let's just say a lot of things have been, it has been greatly criminally downplayed the, the sophistication of culture in Africa systemically for centuries. Um, and there are achievements like medicine and art and, and all sorts of things. It's not, it, it was, it was not just a bunch of people living in huts and then the Europeans arrived. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. Yes. That being said, there's certainly a strain of, of people that are coming from a, a real place of disenfranchisement that, want to attribute a lot to especially the ancient Egyptians who were Africans, but not necessarily the people of Africa who were enslaved. Right. Uh, but one, one thing that I do think is interesting that, that I, I, I heard a professor talking about is you will hear a lot of uh, sort of black nationalism try to tie itself to ancient Egypt because ancient Egypt figures into the Bible, and oh, huh? It because it it has it has a presence in the Bible. It it allows for uh, it, it allows for that to figure into Christianity to to have some sort of global recognition and presence uh and that is you know the the push for you know people that want to see ancient egyptians as the the same skin tone as sub-saharan africans uh that want to you know tie tie everything to ancient egypt and yeah. you know, and yeah and like have like you know it's do do you see what I'm sort of like? Oh yeah, trying trying, trying to to talk about with without uh with without without misstepping here or sounding like I'm I'm trying to say that there there was not technology in ancient Africa. But it's like it's not just Egypt. Like, isn't it Mansa Musa? I believe is the one that was like giving out gold. Like they had so yeah. much gold, he just gave it out to people. Like oh, there's yeah. so many civilizations in ancient Africa and, and Africa no, in no, general I, that were that were doing very well compared to the rest of yeah. Europe and other places. It's more oh, like yeah. the the disenfranchisement for sure is at play, and this idea of like Europe underdeveloping Africa through colonization and then and slavery and uh, amongst so many other tragedies, and then today's world's still feeling that consequence still feeling those issues like that even south america same deal like all of this in terms of like be it capital be it colonialism european conquest and american conquest like it has affected the thought process and it's it's affected how we think about the past and because mm-hmm. there's that side of, of people who believe, of course, like more into ancient Egypt and the advancement of Nubia involved in that and like all these other things. There was a few with like yeah. how, I, how I've seen that like Imhotep was actually Nubian. He has this whole side story. And I was like, where? Where's the evidence? Like, <laughs> I, I want to believe it too, but like I want evidence for it. And because that's what keeps us away from speculation. And I think with um a lot of conspiracies surrounding him, it's like you're creating a lore from people's ideas online or like 
you're appropriating other things like other Egyptian hieroglyphs as like literal tellings of something like not actually it's kind of like when people take the Bible word for word and it's like, well, a lot of it's metaphor. So we should probably or allegory, you know, maybe think yeah, about we, it that we, way. We, we, no. can start, we can start there. No, clearly there was this and there was that and this makes sense. And it's like, why mm-hmm. are we doing this? Like, it, it's a lot of that. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's a million, literally a million conspiracies surrounding ancient Egypt. Don't even, you know, the pyramid ones are crazy. And it's like, it, 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 in many cases, it's, it's again, like, even with the excuse of like the, the popular aliens built the pyramid one, it's like, most of that also comes, if you, when you get to the people who actually try to f- disprove in a sense of like disprove the real creation they want the theory of that to be true like of aliens they'll be like well we don't know what the cement is we don't know what this is so therefore it must be that and it's like no we just nobody nobody wrote it down like nobody knows we Mm -hmm. we haven't figured it out which means they're that much more architecturally complex than us a lot of people today especially and we can go back a couple decades too they believe firmly that Today's world is more advanced than anything that's been on Earth because we have computers and we have skyscrapers. And I would still argue that that's not true because we falsely equate the idea of like the, this type of technology as being superior. And then anybody who's figured out anything else before us, no, they couldn't have done it. They needed help. And especially if they're in Africa, they needed help. There's no way they could have did it by themselves. And that's what people say. And it's like, no, that's not true, actually. They've, they figured it out pretty early because human beings are amazing in that way that we can work in such a manner that allows for us to have these technological breakthroughs and then usually they kind of fall apart and come back and fall apart and come back and it's like we just kind of constantly keep reinventing things till we eventually got to where we're at now and that's interesting well you know we we invented a lot of things that allowed us to share and to share knowledge very quickly, yeah, uh, which yes. which uh, which that which was... allow which which allowed for the kind of unprecedented place that we're in today. Because a, a lot of these things, a lot of these technologies, you know, were were born out of out of a a collaborative effort, uh, and you know, it's it it does mean like you know we have to be buzzkills about people that are like this low relief sculpture shows an ancient Egyptian with a laptop. Um, yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> I hate to break I, it to I, I don't, I, Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, uh, I, I think, I think there's, there's all, all the impressive, amazing things that, that even like allow us to be talking right now are kind of, yeah, it's uh, crazy un, un, for, for people to be listening right now. Like it, it's kind of incredible not kind of it it just it is, is incredible yeah. when you stop to think about like what technology was uh in the past and we just have we we've become accustomed to it in in a lot of ways i there there's 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 almost kind of too much to 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 fully to fully encapsulate it but it has it has changed uh it 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 has changed a lot of our perceptions of these mm. things and and because the ancient world was complex and we have a really hard time now imagining a world without computers yeah uh and and telecommunications because we've become very reliant on them 
there is some sort of assumption then that, oh, well, there must have been some version of that in the past too. Right. Because otherwise, how could you get a bunch of people together to build a pyramid uh, or to- uh, Yeah. To to, to build a sphinx. Um, And- There's less to do, you know? (laughs) Yeah, you know, you didn't have to- you know, you you didn't have to file your taxes on TurboTax. Exactly. You, know? you, you had free time in the day. Well, you, you, <laughs> you didn't build necessarily. A yeah, yeah. You did not have no, free time. I, Nobody had free no, time. I, you're surviving. Yeah, but yeah, no that that's also a modern invention. But that being said, people could tend to farming if that was your entire existence. Uh, you know, in in the way right. that what would kind of be impossible uh now to 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 balance that with the demands of modern life but also again too we don't want to conflate any like protestant work ethic ideas here too because like we don't know like i'm gonna be real i I don't know at least like maybe they did have free time (laughs) maybe they just you went out in the fields you did your thing and like in the evening you i don't know did something probably not well, realistically I, but who knows like if, the, if we were talking the, about yeah. medieval europe i would be like this is a different conversation like anywhere that had a very strong peasant class it's like different but well, i don't know like let's, I, let's be real egyptian society was also not great, stratified yeah. and you mean they and, didn't have and, democratically well, elected <laughs> uh, officials and vote and like they did poll it, numbers? Well, like like everywhere else on earth, it was a theocracy. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's but 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 also let's but I think one thing to remember about even peasants back then, and even something that I think until recently a lot of capitalists understood, is that um people don't want to be worked constantly and i think you have to even look at whether it's uh europe or egypt which at certain points that that's that's not a clear-cut line either in history because of Mm -hmm. how much influence the egyptians had on the greeks and then when the greeks uh in turn uh have then have influence on egypt yeah um you First of all, there's there's not a a a, a really uh, stark line there, and then also you have to remember that when it's not the growing season, it's not like how it is now, where like you and I are professors, so technically we're like seasonal workers. Yeah, it's we, weird to think about. Yeah, we we there's there's four to five months out of the year where our job doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, it's um, true. And uh, we have. Uh, thankfully, other support networks to keep us afloat during that time. But for a lot of people, that would be uh, an unthinkable. Uh, how do you pay rent? Like that—that that would be our our immediate question. Like, how do yeah. you pay rent in the summer? Yeah. But back then, you know, it's not that there weren't landlords, and it's not that there weren't. Uh, it's not that there weren't uh, greedy people at the top, but there was an understanding of. There, there was not our same uh, uh, idea that you need to be productive at the same rate all year mm-hmm. long. That is, that is more of an invention of the industrial revolution. Yes, the exactly. idea that productivity can be achieved uh, at all times of the year, at all times of the day. When I, the, the the limitations of nature itself yeah. kind of. 
kind of weirdly kept, kept a lot of societies, I think, in check. We we're like, okay, this is the growing season. We're going to work the peasants at that time. And then, right. uh, you know, then we're going to have all these harvest festivals and, and things to keep people happy. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and you know, it, if it's if it's not the growing season, it's either too cold or too hot to go outside. So people are just sitting around eating soup all day. Sounds great. My kind yeah. of weather. I, yeah. I, yeah. And, but, and, and, and too, like, I think it all just like, it really, there's a lot more thought on this recently, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like with mutual aid or the idea too, of like the dawn of everything, like presented in that mm-hmm. same deal with cultural evolution studies and things in that sense. I'm very curious what we will understand later in history about this as more people are trying to find solutions for today that maybe doesn't just rely on like binary terms of what we need to do. I, I'm yeah, curious dude, what we'll end up finding from obviously, the past. Obviously the answer is more rideshare apps so people can have more side gigs. We live in a cyberpunk world, unfortunately, and it disturbs me every single day. <laughs> I just want more uh, useless apps that I'm never going to use. <laughs> Oh gosh. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah. It was. This has been very fun. I. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I, I definitely thank you for bringing your insight onto this as always, because I think it opens up this conversation a lot more. Um, really, I think the thing to just hammer home at the end is it's important to be objective as we investigate parts of history, because as much as we love fantasy, it doesn't have to be reality. You know, sometimes things are not just what we want them to be from the past. It's important to try mm-hmm. to find the evidence, the through line to see, okay, how do we know what happened? And then moving from there. Mm-hmm. At least that's my take. Yeah. And I think also this is important for us to, to understand just how, uh, how, how, how different societies were back then. And, and the idea of, uh, you know, the formation of religions uh, as well, or or the the formation of deities, because I I do yes I I think this is this is a you know an interesting example of like yeah. you know if if things had been recorded slightly less well yeah or you know you might have a a scholarly deity that that arises you know because of this yeah you know absolutely uh, I I'm 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 very uh I'm very fascinated with things like this because. It's so tantalizing. We can't know everything about this guy, but people sure have a lot of ideas about about <laughs> people sure have <laughs> a lot of well. ideas. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Joe, for doing all this research and and bringing in a really uh, interesting topic to the uh, to the yeah. museum today. No, no problem at all. Happy to bring it. It was exciting to talk about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Well, um, does that mean we should? Uh, move on into uh, uh the 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 our, our uh pinnacle of technology today stick it or ticket yeah i think so let's let's do it okay what have you got i just got one today and it just read in big letters oh my and i'm not oh. quite sure what to make of that <laughs> but that is what i saw how about you what do you got for us um, I saw a, I, I saw, a, uh, I've been seeing a lot of stickers. Uh, this is after, uh, you know, I, a couple weeks ago, I mentioned, I saw a sticker that said hot girls hit curbs. I've been seeing a <laughs> lot funny. of stickers that just say normalize hitting the curb, which 
is which is interesting. Interesting, yeah. Not uh, yeah, uh, but also you know I feel I feel a little seen. Um, <laughs> nice one though that was entirely unique is actually one of my neighbors that I have not met yet who has a car that um it's a bumper it, it, it's the combination of bumper stickers. Okay. Uh, one is a bumper sticker of Shrek peeking out uh, over, you know, the edge of the window so that it looks like Shrek is in the car. Love that. Peeking out at you. But right above it, uh, written out in the unknown Pokemon letters, <laughs> uh, is uh, it reads, eat shit. Ha. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, that's a, that's a thinker. That's something, uh, you know, you get to see every day you drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every right, every day then. when I go out to my car. Yeah. Wow, mm-hmm. what a reminder. What uh, a reminder. Interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Shall we go to uh, Uncanny Recommendations? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. An- another fantastic stick it or ticket. Absolutely. Just knocked it out of the ballpark. Build a monument to, Build- <laughs> to this segment. Oh, yes. <laughs> It'll be recorded on the stales. Um, I guess for me, I don't have too much to recommend, but I will say that I've been, like I said, I was reading, I've been reading American Prometheus and it is very good. Uh, if you liked the Oppenheimer movie, I think this book gives, this is what it's like based off of. I think it gives so much context into like how chaotic he is as an individual and very human, but also written like a storybook character. It's wild. Like it is just one of these reminders that like some of these figures of history, like, I don't even think they realize how much of a role they play. And then mm-hmm. it, 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 I don't know. He also speaks to my indecisiveness a little bit. Because <laughs> the man is, you're kind of just watching him make so many stupid decisions. But it's like, again, like, oh, yeah, he is like, it, 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 like when you learn about like how he was raised and where he went to school and all these things, like, it makes sense. Like, just why he was like, yeah, of course, if we build the bomb, it'll be fine. And it's like, so it's just interesting but i'm not even into like he you know i'm like 125 pages in out of 500 and he is like still teaching at berkeley so uh it's been very good i definitely recommend it uh don't be scared of the text it's easy to read uh and then i feel like that's been pretty much it in terms of oh i also uh i'm sorry i also watched society of the snow which was on netflix it's about the uruguayan uh, rugby team that got trapped in the andes mountains it's uh, a very good movie it's definitely a little disturbing at times so you know just a warning you don't you don't say a a a story that is famous for cannibalism. cannibalism yeah well i mean but like if you i didn't know about this story so like if i watched this not knowing i feel like that would have taken me for a loop i'm like oh wow okay that's interesting. Uh, but I did because of the last podcast series, which is also very good. I would recommend that too. But yeah, it's this is like a different version than Alive, you know, that one that came out. I think this is much more um, to the story of like what happens. So yeah, I, I would definitely recommend yeah. it. Uh, but that's all I got so far. How about you, Zan? Uh, well, wonderful, wonderful recommendations. Thank you. Thank um, you. So uh, I have a couple. I, so one of them, I just started it, and it's already very good, but I will give more details uh, as I get further. Um, but I am finally uh, reading uh, Pedro uh, Peroma by Juan Rufo. And, oh, nice. Uh, I need to read yeah. that. So I technically, this was on my uh, my list uh, for Hanukkah, and uh, my brother gave me uh, a copy and oh. I was so excited. I open it up. It is all in Spanish. Fabulous. Uh, 
better go yeah, so, get your Duolingo ready. Yes. Uh, so uh, I actually just got uh, an English copy for him, his, his do-over gift, which I, I greatly appreciate. Let's see. As far as music goes, um, I... Uh, I don't know how we stumbled onto this album, but we've been listening to it a lot, my uh, my girlfriend and I. Uh, if I don't come home, go to my house and burn my things. Uh, that's the name of the album by the, half, the Halfway Kid. Um, really great uh, alternative folk album. Uh, it's it's you know it's got uh, some you know more produced songs. It's got some songs where you can kind of just hear them having fun in the studio. Um, but I do, I do highly recommend it. It's got some really nice chill, uh, vibes you can, uh, put on while things are so, so cold out there. Nice. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Yes. Now, uh, do we have things going on outside of the museum, Joe? Um, I don't have too much at the moment, uh, but... As always, you can check out my music under my name, Joe Semino. You can also check out Zan and I's music, Ghost Modern Jazz Club's out everywhere, so be sure to check that out. Uh, but that's pretty much all I got really going on right now as 2024 mm-hmm. kicks off. How about mm-hmm. you, Zan? Any, anything going on? I've actually got a few things to mention. Ooh. Um, so February 8th, I know that's a Thursday, but at uh, Massey Law on uh, Central in St. Petersburg, uh, I am going to be participating in a show called Be The Wave. Uh, I do teach that night, but I will try to be at that show uh, before the end. Um, But that is going to be me and a bunch of other uh, local artists. Uh, That is Be The Wave at Massey Law. Nice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, And then also, this is going out quite a bit. But on March 30th, there is going to be a house show at the Lighthouse in St. Petersburg, uh, Hmm. which is run by my friend Kyle. Um, And uh, if you have ever wanted to maybe hear some of the Ghost Modern songs played live with a band, uh, I am going to be doing that. There you Uh, go. Yes. So I, I haven't quite figured out if it's because you're not here, Joe. I don't know if it counts as a ghost modern concert. You can count uh, it. It's OK. I understand. Uh, we'll we'll figure out how we go on to the bill. We're playing with some other names. Uh, right. You know, for, for this uh, this new band I've been working with. Um, but that should be happening. So uh, I'm very, nice. very excited about that. Um yeah, and that's that's about all I can say definitively. I've got work up uh, in a couple of new places. Um, as always, uh, my sculptural works are at the Folkhouse Collective in Kingston, New York. Um, but I also now have some work up at the Hive uh, Clay Center in St. Petersburg. Uh, so yeah, go and check out my stuff there. Very cool. Mm-hmm. All right. If you've enjoyed your time here at the Uncanny County Museum, uh, you can always uh, tell us about it or reach out to us with corrections. We'd love to hear comments from people that know a little bit more about anything we talk about, uh, Egyptology or otherwise. Uh, If you do know about the aliens and Egyptians that live in the Grand Canyon, we'd we'd love to hear from you. now, uh, you can reach us at uh, uncannycountymuseum at gmail.com. You can follow us uh, after hours at Uncanny County Museum uh, on Instagram. 
Uh, if you want to find me, I'm at Xanasaurus on Instagram. And I'm at Josemino Art on Instagram. From the Uncanny County Museum, I have been Zan Peters. And I'm Josemino. Bye. Bye. Bye.